Now, Americans, forgive me, diarrhea, Americans talk about something called a honey-do list. Have you ever heard that phrase? A honey-do list? It's when one member of the household writes a list of everything that they want their spouse to do, assigning tasks to their spouse. Have you ever done that at home? Maybe. Why do we dislike these jobs so much? Well, sometimes we find it hard to get around to doing what needs to be done simply because someone else is telling us to do it. Whether it's tidying your bedroom, whether it's painting the front room, whether it's doing your own washing, whether it's helping with the shopping, whatever it is for you. Sorry, Mary, I've completely forgotten how difficult I'm making this for you by moving around. Sometimes it's hard to get started with a job simply because someone else is asking or telling us to do it. I wonder who writes the honey-do lists in your home. Just something fun to talk about over Sunday lunch at home. And what's the worst job of paid work you've ever had? Well, for me, it's a tie. Uh, One summer I worked in McDonald's um, for 10 weeks. I was eventually able to make, I think, 16 Big Macs in 90 seconds. Uh, The other one was cleaning in York General Hospital for the best part of three months. And one job in McDonald's was pretty mind-numbing, honestly. The other was a real eightener in in all kinds of ways. Possibly, I probably shouldn't talk about it publicly. But if if you forgive the expression, it literally did mean going through the motions. Or at least picking them up off the floor. What has this got to do with our passage, you are thinking? Simply because Jesus contrasts Two things, two jobs, if you will, that he does for people in verse 9. Which is easier, he says, to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take up your mat and walk? Jesus asked those opposing him to tell him which of the jobs is easier, healing this man or forgiving him. You remember that the last time Jesus had been in Capernaum, the whole town had gathered at the door desperate for Jesus to pray for them and for their loved ones. When everyone hears that Jesus has returned, people start hurrying to the door. But when these friends, who have obviously hurried to pick up a friend who was paralyzed and brought him on some kind of mat, being held as a kind of stretcher, when they arrive, they can't get anywhere near Jesus. Teachers of the law, of course, have made sure they're in the front row. They're there to pass judgment on Jesus, to to evaluate whether his teaching is kosher or not. But these friends, these friends are undeterred. Unsure how often they'll have the chance to ask Jesus to heal them, they're not going to go home without asking the question. So they go up on the stairs on the outside of the house and start attacking the roof. I guess the teachers of the law sitting in the front room would have been some of the first to have stuff dislodged from the roof starting to fall on them. You can imagine uh, how scandalized they were. I mean, let's face it, it is pretty outrageous to start to remove the roof because you can't get in through the front door. But I am guessing also that Jesus smiled. Verse 5 tells us that Jesus, when Jesus saw their faith, saw their faith, which has got to mean, I think, their boldness, their determination, their, to use a Yiddish word, their chutzpah. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. 
Now, if the teachers of the law are scandalized by somebody breaking in through the roof, they're beyond horrified by what Jesus has just said. Jesus uh, delivered the man in the synagogue without claiming to do so in anyone else's name. And here, Jesus forgives someone without calling on anyone else's name. He claims the right to forgive, just as he claimed the right to deliver in his own name. As the teachers of the law say, that's got to be a claim in some sense to be nothing less and nothing other than God. That's why Jesus challenges them. Which job do you think is easier, to forgive or to heal? have to imagine, I think, their horrified, seething silence. We have to imagine the tension in the house as everyone waits to see what Jesus will do. The teachers of the law are horrified that Jesus will, will pronounce forgiveness. The friends of the paralyzed man are horrified that Jesus might change his mind and not heal their friend as well. And Peter is horrified looking at the state of his roof and wondering if anybody is going to heal that because he's pretty sure that's going to go on his own honeydew list pretty soon. Verse 10, but I want you to know, Jesus says, that the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sins. Forgive them in his own name and in his own authority. And the evidence that Jesus offers of his right to forgive is his ability to heal and restore. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took the mat and walked out in full view of them all. So Jesus heals as a way of proving his right to forgive don't know about you, but sometimes the jobs on the honey-do list uh, take time to get started. But sometimes it's because they are the hardest ones. Neither of the jobs Jesus is doing here is an easy job for him. Matthew 8, 16 and 17 tells us, he drove out the spirits of the word and healed all who were ill. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases, took them up and bore them to the cross. Why are they not easy jobs for Jesus? Simply because both bringing healers and bringing forgiveness depend on the cross that is yet to come. Healing and forgiveness are two sides of the same restoration. They're two aspects of the same work. And that restoration comes only through the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. I think we see that there are times when we read the Gospels, like at the Mount of Transfiguration or in the Garden of Gethsemane, to name just two. There are times where we glimpse just how difficult it was for Jesus to get started on the impossibly difficult job of bringing healing and forgiveness into the world. Which is easier for Jesus? Neither is easy. They are costly. Forgiving sins or healing someone depends on that walk to the cross, depends on that dying in agony, depends on rising in glory. Neither is easy, not because he couldn't do them, but they are costly, costly to Jesus himself. He paid for them in blood. Healing and forgiveness are both part of the restoration that Jesus longs to bring to us all and to each one for whom he died and rose. He did it for each of us to bring us forgiveness, and it was incredibly hard.
And it was a task at the Mount of Transfiguration, a road at the Mount of Transfiguration that he struggled to begin. So remember who it is to whom we're speaking when we pray. He has paid in blood to take up our infirmities and heal our diseases. He has paid in blood to enable us to be forgiven. So make sure you ask for everything for which Jesus has already paid. And second, let's be bold. I love the fact that these friends would not let anything stand in their way. They weren't going to let the opportunity pass by. Where might God be wanting us to show something of that same spirit? Where might God be wanting us to attack the roof because we can't get in through the door? And remember just how precious forgiveness is. In our sacred space here, um, Lucy and Ed have put together a journey, a journey which is the journey of the prodigal son to the father. Lots of prayer resources you can go and use during or after the service or during uh, open house when it's open throughout the week. Remember how precious, how costly forgiveness is, but also remember this, that it is on God's heart to forgive. Yes, it's costly, but he longs for us to seize that gift. And as I often remember, it is the Father who runs runs to welcome us home, runs to go and define for everyone else who we are. Quick, put a ring on his finger, the best robe on him, let's kill the fatted calf. The Father runs to welcome us home. Forgiveness is precious to us. It restores, it rebuilds relationships. It allows the possibility of a fresh start. It allows us not to be dominated by the past anymore. It's precious. We should seize it. And yet we should remember just how much delight God takes in forgiving, in forgiving us whatever we have done. It's costly. Let's seize that gift. But let's remember the delight in which God takes in forgiving us. The Father runs to welcome us home.